I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead. And joining me for the first time, Jake Rafis. You know him on Twitter as at Mavs underscore FFL or the MFFL or just the great MFFL. Whatever you know him by, <laughs> you know him on Twitter. Jake, thanks for joining us. Man, what an introduction. Thanks for having me on my first ever Mavs podcast. How about that? The first ever. Interesting. And you're part of the <laughs> Raccoon Squad. So welcome in. Day one. Day one, day one, back with the Dennis Smith Jr. draft profile. <laughs> oh, man. yeah. Remember those days? Oh, man. Did you see the guy that, um, I think it was Tommy Beer, that tweeted like that Dennis Smith Jr. might be the <laughs> the worst shooting, like have the worst shooting oh, season of any player in the NBA coming up? I want to I want to pull that up. but Yeah, man. I saw that tweet, and I also saw a graphic of, it was a, one of the Mavs pages. It was him, Michael Porter, and Mo Bamba. And yeah, Dennis Smith being him, and it said the future. And I remember how excited I was about that. Wow, how lucky we are. (laughs) Yeah, it said, uh, so this is from Tommy Beer. It said, Dennis Smith Jr. is on pace to become the first player in NBA history to attempt more than 200 field goals in a season and shoot below 35% from the floor, below 30% from three, and below 50% from the Mm. free throw line. Man, he just went up to to New York and everything just bottomed out for him, man. Do you think it's a confidence thing or do you think it's a New York thing? I mean... I think the two go hand in hand, though, right? Like when mm-hmm. you go, when the Mavs empowered him so much, like he was the number one option on offense with Dirk, with Barnes, like all that stuff. He was the number one option, and Carlisle was empowering him. He was given the keys to the offense. He could pretty much do whatever he wanted. The Mavs were not winning, which the Knicks aren't either. But he was given free reign. He had pretty good teammates to play with, like DeAndre Jordan, good teammate, not great, you know, help defender. We know that, <laughs> but good teammate. Harrison Barnes, great teammate. You know, Wes Matthews, great teammate. Dirk, obviously. And then uh, he goes to New York, and he's like, how many great teammates does he have? Like, mm, I want to say two, but yeah, honestly, not, one. Not many? I mean, Taj Gibson and maybe Reggie Bullock, like, that's it? So, man, yeah, and not- then all the stuff in their front office and their coaching staff, you know, turnover, and it's just a mess up there. So, I don't know if player development up there is you know is all that great for him and he still needed time like he's 20 or 21 now Mm -hmm. right yeah and he went from being compared to Luka Doncic to Nick Latina so that's quite that's quite a difference (laughs) oh man and Knicks fans are never going to fully embrace him the way they do Frank no not at all it's weird there's a big Knicks Twitter loves Frank but Dennis just doesn't have the fan love and like you said he doesn't have the keys it's it's kind of sad to see hopefully he gets freed soon yeah free dennis that's the new maps thing we should do is you know free dennis we should try and get we should bully the knicks into <laughs> to get a dude i'll i'll lead that movement <laughs> <laughs> all right on the pod today we are going to do a pre all-star break recap so everything that happened before the the all-star break it's not half the season we need to be very clear on that uh even tim cato the great tim cato of the athletics said that it was uh, a midway point of the season it's not but we just wanted to do before the all-star break talk about things that you know, we expected before the season thoughts on Porzingis so far as a Maverick and just mm-hmm. assess so far his season. Uh, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, do a bunch of superlatives like that. Uh, most fun moments, stuff like that. And so I wanted to get Jake's opinion as, you know, the, the MFFL. Um, 
the uh, the Mavs fan. So I wanted to talk to him about that. So that's what we're going to get into on today's show. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Jake, let's start with this. What did you expect from the Mavericks before you know the start of the season? Coming in, the Mavericks, their over-under in Vegas was like 40 and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so right around you know 500 or so. What did you expect from them? So what I expected pre-Pelicans having Zion out and Warriors, all their injuries and stuff like that, I was locked in with the Mavs at the 8th seed. I really felt comfortable with them at the 8th seed. What do you think that is, 44 wins or something along those lines? But I thought we'd have an average average season. I wasn't sure how Luka and KP would mesh. But yeah, I was was optimistic that we'd be 8th seed. And I don't know why I'm so set on that, but that was my expectations going into it. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people felt that. Um and now, I mean, coming into, you know, uh this season, uh, people were expecting that and then uh <laughs> I have uh <laughs> I have our board bets that everybody bet on at the beginning of the season and mm-hmm. 90% of our listeners said that the Mavericks would get 41 or more wins. Uh and only wow. 10% said less. So that was like that's 36 people that said it was going to be less than than 40 and a half wins. Uh, so everybody was pretty pretty op- optimistic about that. They were going to take the mm-hmm. over in Vegas, um, you know, and that would put you right around the eighth seed, like you said. Um, sometimes the eighth seed is like forty eight games. So yeah, you know, we'll see what it ends up being and if teams can go on a run at the end of the season. But now into this season, uh, expectations have seemed to have completely changed. I mean, people would have just been okay <laughs> with an eighth seed. They would have been you know, ecstatic oh with the Mavericks getting into the playoffs, ecstatic with them being over five hundred, and now expectations are through the roof. I mean, Isaac tweeted out this poll today uh, and it's just wild, but how have your expectations changed personally for the Mavericks? Man, well, first let me go into, like you said, the opt- how optimistic Mavs fans are blows my mind. You would think that we are the 2016 Warriors, the 94 uh, Bulls. <laughs> like, people get so mad after a loss to a good team, which is just, I love how I love how positive Mavs fans are, but after a loss, oh my gosh, they're so shocked. But I truly have been blown away. I love Luka Doncic. I thought he could get better, maybe put another two points per game average on top of his game, but he's been shooting better. He's been driving to the basket, finding his teammates. He's blown He's blown my mind. It's just been fun to watch. And then KP, he started off slow, and I was a little worried, a little worried about the contract and everything, but he's really came into his own. He's averaging almost 19 points per game, so I've loved watching him too, and Almost the X factor of this team has been Tim Hardaway. I think at the start of the year I said, well, if Tim Hardaway can be a great scorer and a leader, then we'll be a whole different team. And as you know, he's been that guy. And I know you always talk about the fourth and fifth fifth starter, but he submitted himself as a starter. And I think he's going to be the X factor in the last, I want to say, back half of the season. But you'll <laughs> probably roast me if I say that. But I've loved this team, man. I really have. Man, it's been it, the, fun to watch. The team is super fun to watch. Uh, the the expectation from fans with all those things, all those things going well, um, mm-hmm. like it's it's it seems like more things have gone well for the team than gone wrong. Even with a couple injuries here and there, uh, you look at teams like you know the Hawks or look at teams like the Timberwolves, and they just they just have guys out all the time. The Suns, uh, the Warriors, obviously, just have all these guys out all the time, and the Mavericks have been relatively healthy besides Dwight Powell. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Luca and Porzingis out here and there. But I wanted to bring up Isaac's poll that he tweeted out today. It's still <laughs> going on. It's at Isaac L. Harris. You can, go, you can go respond to it if you haven't. But he said, as a Mavs fan, what would you deem the baseline for a successful season? And he put four, he put four uh, answers down there. Just the playoffs, a six, seven-game first-round series. So the Mavericks win a couple playoff games there. Win a playoff series 
and then Western Conference Finals appearance, which means that you win two series. So this is what Mavs fans deem would be a successful season. The number one answer at 37% is win a series. So the majority of Mavs fans want the, the Mavericks to win a series, and that would be successful, and pretty much everything, anything else besides that is a failure. 31% is a 6-7 to seven game first round. So that's, what is that? 68% of Mavs fans would be disappointed wouldn't think it's a successful season if the Mavericks don't win more than one playoff game. Wow. Like, that's that's yeah. that's pretty telling. I mean, it's not everybody, yeah. obviously. It's it's Twitter. This has, like, 2,300 votes. So that's a, that's a mm-hmm. big percentage, uh, or that's a, that's a good amount. That's a, you know, a straw poll or whatever. But what did you think? Of, what do you think about that? Are, are fans' expectations a little too high, or should we temper those a little bit, or should we just shoot for the moon? <laughs> so I love shooting for the moon always. But, yeah, back to <laughs> my expectations – before before the season, yeah, like I said, eight seed, and I'd love to win a game in the playoffs. Now I really want to say win a series, and I I truly believe we can as long as we're not playing the Clippers. I'm sure we'll get into that, but I love the optimism. But I'd say seven games or win a series is where I'm at personally with this team. You'd be disappointed if they didn't win if they won one playoff game. Like let's say they go in and they mm-hmm. it's a five game series with Denver. You'd be disappointed. I would. I really would. Denver's good too, but I think we could take Denver to seven if not win. Interesting. And that's Which confidence. Call, call that, me biased, but yeah. Well, your your account is MFFL, so <laughs> I think if anyone's allowed to be biased, uh, it's like you and Jimmy from All Things Mavs, like all the fan accounts. You're allowed to be biased. That's your thing. Uh, that's all, all we right. look at. All right, coming up, let's get into some of the superlatives from the season. Let's look at the Mavericks season. Uh, some of the fun moments, biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, stuff like that. Let's get into it. All right, Jake, uh, what's the biggest surprise for you? Whether it's a, a Mavericks game you didn't expect them to win or a specific moment or a player. We mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. earlier. What's been the mm-hmm. biggest surprise for you so far? Well, the biggest surprise game-wise was definitely that Bucks game without Luka. That that showed the depth of the team, and I think that kind of shocked the NBA. Um, i trying to think. The Lakers game at L.A. was another great moment of the season. But I'd say most surprising – I want to say Tim. I really do. I know I went into him a little bit, but I'm still going to have to go with Luka just to be, what, top five in the MVP race his second year in the league. That's that's just ridiculous and goes to show how good he is. And he's fun to watch. And when he doesn't play, the games are, are almost not hard to watch, but they're just not, not as fun. And <laughs> there's not 20 highlight plays every game when Luka's <laughs> not out there. And like you always say on the pod, he makes every single player better. It's crazy the the jump that he's made. I think my answer is Tim Hardaway Jr., but Luca's mm-hmm. jump. Um, I, he's at the point for me where nothing would surprise me anymore. You know, sometimes we say that with like you know politics or news or like yeah, nothing will surprise me at this point. And I think that with Luca too, like nothing will surprise me. He came in and we expected him to be like oh you know he'll score you know twenty or so points and he'll get some assists yeah. and then his rookie year he just blew us all away with the way he was in the clutch and just the way that he you know immediately came in and just took the reins of this organization and then now in the second year he took a step forward not even like mm-hmm. you know a baby step forward like a full step forward and he's turned into one of the best players in the NBA. Like he, he should be in the conversation of like top 15, top 10 players in the NBA. Um, when everyone, even when everyone is healthy, even with like Durant and Curry back and all those guys, uh, it's wild that he has taken that big of a step. I know. He, do you think he should be in consideration for most improved? Yeah, it's tough because he's, he's almost too good for that award. I don't know if that's possible, but 
I don't know. I I think he should be considered, but I feel like if you're in the MVP race, you're disqualified. Maybe that's not true. I'm sure Brandon Ingram <laughs> agrees with me, but that's what are your thoughts? That's Steph Curry season. <laughs> like the first MVP season, mm-hmm. I remember he averaged like 23 points a game, and then he bumped that up to like 30 points a game the next year, and he won MVP again. Like if he wasn't in most improved conversation, then then Luca probably won't be. But uh, he both of those guys probably should have been, and Giannis too. Like Giannis should be in there. You know, some of these years when he went from uh, you know, just being really good to like incredible, uh, but it's hard to like MVP, like most improved. Like you, you, they kind of want that award to go to a guy that went from obscurity to like being a good player, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. I think we've seen like the Paul Georges leap up or the Pascal Siakams take a leap from you know from mid tier player to like all star level player. And I think that's who they really want it to go to. Yeah, that's my preconceived notion with the award is guys like that. Yeah, the Brandon Ingrams and like you said. Yeah, Luca was too good to get most improved already. <laughs> which hey, we'll take it. Screw the most improved. We'll we'll take the you know Luca being that good. Um, yeah. But the biggest surprise to me has been Tim Hardaway Jr. Like I, mm-hmm. we wrote him off so much all summer. And when I say we, I mean me and Isaac and <laughs> lots of Mavs fans. I mean, just completely wrote him off. He's almost not completely dead salary, but his you know is this twenty million dollar player that just isn't pulling his weight, and he's just been. So much better than we could have expected. I mean, he was shooting with the Mavericks, with Luka, like with these better shots that he should be getting. 31% from catch-and-shoot threes last year. And now he's shooting 40% overall. Like that kind of a jump is just wild to me. And I wonder if, you know, a lot of it is injury. Remember last year we joked a lot about in his exit interview, he didn't know what kind of surgery he was going to have on his leg. And he had never really gone through an injury like that. And then he comes back and... um, I think that that injury may have really, really bothered him. Uh, and sometimes we, we got to look into stuff like that with players because they might not mm-hmm. have gone through an injury like that. Tim Hardaway Jr., man, the fact that Carlisle trusts him to guard some of these guards, you know, oh to be gosh. like the secondary defender on the wing, to, you yeah. know, take big shots. Luca trusted him with that game. What was that game winner he missed? Um, oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, that, I can't either. that was a big one. And just to show the trust in a player, even though he missed it, but. Uh, yeah, that's been wild. Like we had the big question over the summer: Would you rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. average eight points a game or eighteen points a game? He's at like fourteen, so he's a little closer to eighteen. But, yeah, there's uh, always there's always one player that has that Wes Matthews persona that the Mavs fans, for whatever reason, don't like. Right now, it's Justin Jackson, but <laughs> last year it was Tim Hardaway, maybe Dwight Powell, but Hardaway was the guy who would just chunk up shots. You had a term for it, I can't remember, but. He's a guy that just, for whatever reason, Mavs fans don't really support and shot a lot of bad contested shots. And this year, he's just turned it around. He loves his new role. It's He's really came into his own. And I don't know if it's playing with KP or what it is, but being a starter, I'm not sure what it is. But, yeah, he has been a really great player this year for us. It's been pretty amazing. Um, yeah, that, that's also one of the things I got wrong. I wanted to go over a couple of predictions I got right and wrong. And one of those is, uh, I took Tim Hardaway Jr. under 27 starts, and I'm pretty sure he's already, he's already <laughs> been past that. That was one thing I definitely got wrong. Yeah, um, he is. But, yeah, he's been incredible, and you know he should be given a lot of credit for the season that he's been having. What do you think about him going into this summer, if we want to you know jump forward a little bit? He's uh, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, or, no, no, he's <laughs> gonna, he has a player option. I'm sorry. Hey, I know what you meant. All along it was that he was going to opt into his player option and – I heard someone out of Mavs game actually talking about what if Tim Hardaway opts out and takes more money, and I never thought I would hear something like that in my life. But <laughs> no. that's the type of ball he's playing, and you know the free agent 
class this upcoming 2020 summer is a little smaller. I personally still think he's going to opt in, but I'd prefer for him to opt out and sign him for hopefully less money for, what, four more years? I think that's what you had in your tweet. Back with the Mavs? Yes, yes. Back. I'd love the Mavs to re-sign him, and if he can keep being that Jason Terry-esque player with some defense. Yeah, yeah. That would that that definitely be interesting for the Mavs. Uh, replacing a guy like that is not super easy either. Uh, a no. guy that can be a little bit of a two-way guy like that, a wing player. Um, teams like that look all over, all over the place. But there is a bunch of teams with cap space this summer. They're going to be pretty disappointed. Like the Hawks are going to have a ton of space, and they've they know Tim Hardaway Jr. So. Maybe they, uh, you know, want to bring him back or something like that. But yeah, that's that's pretty wild. That's the biggest surprise. What's the been the biggest disappointment for you so far? Again, either a specific game or a moment. Uh, man, maybe those Knicks games, the first, the first couple um, games of the season, but the Knicks games that they lost. A specific moment. Yeah. What's been something that's disappointed you? Yeah, Nick, I'm gonna have to do it to you. But your Lakers, when Dwight <laughs> Howard gave. <laughs> He oh. gave, who was it, Seth Curry, the yeah. uh, the holding call. That was tough. But, no, realistically, the biggest disappointment has been Justin Jackson. I really thought he was going to step up. We saw the stuff in the offseason about weight gain, and I still love the guy, but I'd love for him to remember how to shoot and get his floater back. And he just seemed off this season. Maybe it's just me, but. Oh, no. He, he Like you said, he's been a player that the that Mavs fans have been pretty disappointed in. Um, and. He looked like, you know, he wasn't this bad last year, right? Like, I, I watched all the games, and I know that he wasn't this bad defensively. Uh, his shot was a little better. Even at the beginning of the season, like you said, his floater was going down, and it's just not right now. I wonder mm-hmm. if it just all stems from confidence. He was such yeah, a he was such a limited player, like, skill set-wise, that all the things had to be clicking for him. Like, his floater had to be going, his shot had to be going, and he had to be at least, you know, showing up on defense. And right now, all three of those aspects are not working for him. And so it just turns him into a player that, you know, people really, really don't like when they see him out on the floor. That's Mm -hmm. another thing I got wrong. I had Justin Jackson over 27 starts was one of our board bets. And I took the I took the over. Uh, So I got I got (laughs) wrong, too. Yeah, he's at two, (laughs) two. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get any more than that. He's getting some he's getting more DNP CDs than starts for sure. Uh, That's that's a good disappointing thing. Um Mm -hmm. Man, a dis- I think I think those two Knicks games, man, they're just they're it was disappointing too. Uh, it would have been so it would have felt so good probably as a Mavs fan to get those two games to beat them. Um, even though you're supposed to beat them and it's expected of you uh, for Porzingis to go back there and if he had a couple of good games, that would, those would have been pretty good. Uh, this season overall has been been good. <laughs> it's disappointing yeah, to see it's been awesome. to see Luca down um, with some injuries, but overall I, c- I can't think of too much. Um, to be disappointed by. That's a good thing. Hey, I'll I'll take it, and especially as a guy that covers this team every single day, I'll I'll take that for sure. All right, coming up, let's get into a couple things about Porzingis, uh, about Porzingis as a Maverick so far, about Luca and Porzingis as a pairing. Let's talk about that coming up. All right, Jake, what have your thoughts been about Porzingis? I know he's coming back uh, from that injury. I just actually listened to Zach Levine on. Um, Zach Lowe's podcast and talking about him returning from an ACL and how he was like, man, I just, after that injury, I couldn't get up and dunk and I could usually just wake up in the morning and windmill dunk and I couldn't do it, which is a hilarious sentence. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he said it took him a while, really it took him a year to get back. And so I think this Porzingis is not even the best one that we're going to see. I think even next season, 
he's going to take it a step forward. Um, not even you know considering his development as a player. But what have you thought about Porzingis? What are your expectations to you know how he's actually looked? Yeah, so I figured it'd take a few months for him to get back to himself. I think it took probably actually till the halfway point of the season for him to look confident and for his shots to start actually falling. But I've loved watching him, and some Mavs fans, for whatever reason, weren't weren't loving Porzingis and saying he was overpaid. But now I think everyone's bought in, and I think those games with Lucas sitting out for those for that ankle injury, I think that was great for him and his confidence and getting back into it because he sat out well over a year and didn't play so. It's been great for him to be able to be the star player. I know that's what he was in New York, but he's really impressed me. And his rebounds of what – that's one thing that actually shocked me. I think he's averaging, what is it, nine rebounds a game. And yeah, career high. If, yeah, New York would not want to hear that. But I've really – I've loved his rebounding and I've loved his improved shooting from the last 10 or so games when he's really stepped up. Yeah, and his rebounding, he affects rebounds in ways that don't just equate to him getting the ball either. Mm-hmm. Like, he gets in there, and he tips oh the ball gosh. around, and uh, that's super helpful for, for a Mavericks team. Like, if there's a ball that's, you know, not within reach from a player, he's seven foot three and he can reach up there and tap it around, and he Dude. at least fights for it, and that helps, you know, team rebounding as a whole. And I think that's been, you know, hugely positive. When he's out, that was one big thing that we noticed with the, yeah. the rebounding overall. Yeah. I've seen that a lot with his blocks. I swear there's some games we should have eight blocks and they'll give him two blocks. I know. (laughs) That's frustrating. He's averaging under two blocks now. uh, and I just can't. true. I can't can't believe that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and he's, again, I keep keep saying this stat, but it's still wild. He was the only player averaging two blocks and two made threes per game. That just speaks to him as, um, you know, a unique player. He's the unicorn for a reason, but – uh, as a Maverick, he's he's added things that weren't on the box score more than I expected. The spacing has been, you know, forget his 18 points a game. Like, the spacing that he brings alone has just changed this team. Agreed. Yeah, players will go out of their way to guard him, and that's opened up Luka, and part of the reason why he's scored that many points this year. Um, one thing I did get wrong, though, uh, <laughs> the board bet at the beginning of the season was Christoph Porzingis over under 24.5 points per game. And I took the over, and I think I was a year early on that. I think next year we might do the same number and see if he gets 25 next year. But uh, I could see it happening. I think next year is the year where he'll come into his own. And like Paul George and, and uh, Gordon Hayward, it takes a little while for, for those guys to get back under their legs after an injury like that. Oh, yeah. And then in the whole new situation, you know, an offseason with Luka, get some playoff games under their belt for both of them. Like, man, this is this is a good stretch right here that we're coming into. Uh, and it's going to tell us a lot about both of them. And we're going to see a lot more flashes, I think, of what they can be as a pair. Such a fast rebuild, man. It really has been. We're spoiled. <laughs> it's wild. But, I mean, Dirk was playing on the Mavericks last year. <laughs> that seems like a long time ago. <laughs> that's so crazy. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's yeah. one thing I did get right, though. One of the board bets was uh, games Dirk would attend this year. It was the over-under mm-hmm. 10.5. And I, I took the under, and I think I'm going to hit that one. I think he's only been to four. and Five if you count the Lakers game he was at. Uh, and one of those was away. to see Vince. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. So it wasn't even for the Mavs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we count that one, but I guess we will. Um, Asterisk by it. What have you thought about Luca and Porzingis as a pair? Um, you know, they're two young all stars. They should fit perfectly. You know, coming into the season. And what have you thought about them seeing them play together? I've liked seeing them play together. And when I saw KP have those big thirty point back to back nights, thirty point double doubles, that is, 
I thought it was a bad thing, but honestly, it's a good thing, and that's what he's used to is being the number one guy. But it's really impressed me, and yeah, it's not. I haven't exceeded my expectations, but I still do like the young pair. And like you said in preseason, is there's no way these two are a bad duo, and they're still a great duo. They're just young and a few growing pains, but I've really liked watching them together. And we haven't lost many games, and both of them are healthy and playing. Yeah, yeah, together they they've been awesome. Um, I think that. You know, when Carlisle staggers the two of them, when Porzingis mm-hmm. is playing with the bench unit, Luca is, you know, on the bench then, that's when Porzingis has to be the guy that he was when Luca was out. Uh, and I think that he, he's starting to learn that, starting to figure that out uh, in these last couple of games. But that's when he needs to, to be able to take over, you know, offensively. Uh, but you get those guards in there that want to put up their numbers too. And so he, it's a it's a lot of just like, you know, a lot of Curry, a lot of Brunson, a lot, a lot of Brunson when Luca's yeah. off the court. Because uh, he's got to get his time too, but um, yeah, I think that's that's the thing that they really have to figure out. Playing together has been been pretty good. Porzingis still, again, I feel like a broken record on this, but he still has to be more confident, demand the ball a little more. Luca still has to figure out how to you know get Porzingis involved a little more on offense. And then when Porzingis is on the court without Luca, that's his time. Like that's when you be the number one option. That's when you be the guy you were against Houston against. Uh, what was it Atlanta or wherever? Yeah, um, where it was just him, uh, and and that's the that's the real key for this team. And going into the playoffs, that's something they really need to figure out. And the rest of the season will be able to to show us if they can. Yeah, I think you're right about KP staying on the floor after Luca's on the bench. I think that'll be a good way for him to get comfortable because it seems like when he's hitting early, he's really that light switch flashes and he says, "Oh, it's my time to play. It's my time to be the unicorn." So I think that'll come. And yeah. They'll get that chemistry and hopefully right in time for the playoffs. And this is year one, man. Like this is just the <laughs> beginning of this. Um, like they are gonna, you know, become such a better duo. Going, um, the Mavericks have have time. They have time to figure this out. They have time to, you know, put these two together. Any other thoughts about this team? Things that you uh, maybe predictions you got right, predictions you got wrong, stuff you're excited to see going forward. Um. I want to say Maxi Kleba is really – he's excited me, and I want him to be a starter, but he's excelled at that role off the bench, and his shooting has really been something I've been excited about. And then also Dodo, man. Dodo is so fun to watch. He's just a hustle player. He's been that guy. His three-point shot has also been better. Shooting 39% from three for Dodo is just – that's awesome. Those two guys shooting the way that they have, that's been huge for the team too. That, those are some of the things where, when I said at the beginning, like everything that could go right for this team so far kind of has. Dorian yeah. Finney-Smith and Maxi shooting like near 40% from three, and then Tim Hardaway Jr. as well shooting that. Like Those are things that went super well that could be completely off. Uh, those guys have been awesome. Maxi's been a spot starter here and there. It depends on the matchup, really. Um, mm-hmm. But... If Dwight Powell wasn't on the team, maybe Maxi gets some more starts. Uh, and right now he's he's not, so <laughs> we'll see yeah, what and, they decide to do. That's that's probably another disappointment we didn't talk about is Dwight Powell getting injured because uh, they had really oh, started to figure something gosh. out with that starting five. Yeah, I've tried to erase that from my memory, but, yeah, it's too bad Dwight got hurt. He was playing best ball of his career. But I know you, you were talking about Willie Colley-Stein as one of the bottom-of-the-bench guys, but I think when the matchup's right against other big men that – Hopefully he'll get some starts, and I really love what he's put in, even if he plays nine minutes a night. I mean, I think he can step into that role. Obviously, he's not Dwight Powell. He's not stretching the floor at all, but I, I think he'll step up. If the Mavericks can get Willie Colley-Stein or Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, 
not Michael Carter Williams, but Michael Kidd Gilchrist. If they can get one of those two guys to hit, that would be huge for the oh playoff gosh. rotation for them. Yeah, I tweeted about um, Isaac's interview with MKG. I'm just going to say that because I don't want to pull you and say the wrong name. But <laughs> but what he said about he watches film on Draymond and Iguodala. If we could get MKG to be a baby Draymond, oh my gosh, that would be so great for this team, especially when Dodo's not out there for defensive purposes. I would love that. Yeah, and Draymond really only had that one year where he shot close to 40% from three. Uh, the rest of the seasons, he's been pretty bad from three, like 33%, you know, 34%, something like that. So it's not like he's been this incredible shooter either. Uh, no. You know, you've seen the gif or the video with him with the backpack on shooting. So that, <laughs> that's kind of been his shot. Uh, Same with the MKG jump shot from his rookie year when he was on the Bobcats. You see that picture <laughs> everywhere. And it's kind of changed. Like, we saw some some video from practice. Oh, 100%. But it's changed a little bit. It's a little more fluid, but it's not It's not as far to the right, right? Like, he doesn't yeah, hold his, that far, but it's it's still not great. He was looking to the right of his right elbow, and now he's looking on the left side of his or left forearm. <laughs> so I think he's moved that arm over right into the right area. But, dude, you, you've seen what we've done with Dodo and Maxi, like we said, and there's hundreds of those guys that throughout the years our coaching staff has – Alfred my expectations are probably way too high. Yeah, oh my, Aminu. If he could be Aminu, oh my gosh. All right, you're, you're getting my expectations too high, Nick. You need to <laughs> slow down. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The Mavs have been pretty they, – they've been able to hit on some of these developmental guys. So oh my gosh, maybe, yeah. if, maybe Michael K. Gilchrist could, could be one of those guys. I don't expect him to come in and shoot well from three or, you know. But he's going to be open, right? He has the reputation. <laughs> They're going to be open. He will be very open. There you go. All right, anything else you want to say about the Mavs on your first Lockdown Mavs appearance? Nothing about the Mavs, but thanks again, man, for having me on. Absolutely. All right, you can you probably already follow Jake at, uh, at Mavs underscore FFF, FFFL, FFL, just two Fs. Two, two Fs, yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so there you go. Guys, we will be back tomorrow um, breaking out some more of the Mavs. I have not heard from Isaac about his daughter, so I don't think that she has been born yet. Uh, he's been texting me about random things. Uh, media thing so i think he's, he's still just unoccupied with that but we're still waiting to hear from that uh jake thanks for joining us and guys we'll be back tomorrow thanks for listening to lockdown maps peace out boom <laughs>